Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 8, verses 12, uh, and chapter 12, verse 35. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his presence to be here. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we come, Lord, humbly asking for you to be in the midst of us as you begin to transform our lives. Father, Lord, if we just listen to my own words, Lord, Father, it would be a waste of time. But it is when you, the Spirit accompany and empowers these words that our hearts are changed, our eyes are able to see, and Lord, true change happens. Help us to see your Son so that we may be able to glorify him. Be with us as we continue worshiping you as we hear your holy and inspired word. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. ACC is currently going over the I Am series, and that simply is um, uh, Jesus' I Am statements that are found in the Gospel of John. Uh, there is I Am the Bread of Life, and today we are going I Am the Light. Jesus declares that he is the light of the world. And this is actually one of John's favorite descriptions of Jesus. John will go on to reference Jesus 12 more times as the light, and he is by far uh, the author that uses this motif and this description or metaphor the most. Uh, he likes it so much that he even begins everything he writes with claiming that Jesus is the light in the, his, uh, his letters and also his apost uh, and the gospel that he presents before us. John chapter 1 verse 4 says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He goes on to say in verse 7, as he talks about John the Baptist, John the Baptist came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. John the Baptist was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. So John really plays off this motif when Jesus says to everyone that he is the light. But what does this mean? Now, we have a kind of cursory understanding of what it means that Jesus is the light. Usually we think Jesus is good, everything else is bad. Simple enough. And that's not wrong, but there are layers to it. And so I just hope that we can take this time and just look at this one statement and just dig a little bit deeper. There's not going to be any new revelations. But all, all, that, all that we're doing is slowing down and taking in this significant statement that Jesus declares not just to the Israelites, but to the whole world. And so we're just going to see how this reference of light is layered with so much meaning, and we're going to um, uncover it one by one. Um, and before I go on, why such a short verse? Um, chapter 8, verse 12, there's a lot of stuff that comes after it, but what we see is that the Pharisees immediately jump in to this conversation, and they do not attack the content of what Jesus is saying. They merely attack that Jesus is saying this content. And while we can go back and forth of why Jesus has the authority to say all these things, I thought it would be better if we just acknowledge that they found this statement controversial 
and just see why they found it controversial. Because you see, it shouldn't be that controversial for Jesus to say he is light. If I came up to you and said, hey guys, I am the light, you would just say, that's great, Jeffrey, and move on. Or some of you would think, I'm crazy. Who cares if you're the light? It doesn't mean anything. But yet when Jesus says he is the light, the Pharisees say, who gave you authority to say such a thing? They'll go on to say in this chapter that Jesus is possessed by a demon, and by the end of chapter 8, they are ready to stone him because of this one statement. Now, why? We have to understand the context in which Jesus is saying all these things. If you look at John chapter 7, you would know that it's the Feast of Booths. And what is the Feast of Booths? If you read the Exodus story, you would know that after God had rescued the Israelites from Egypt... The people of Israel set up tents around him, and then they would give praise to God for rescuing them. And so God made this a yearly thing in which everyone would go out into the booths or into the tents, and for seven days all they would do is party. They would have a huge celebration of what the Lord God has done for the Israelites. They would, um, this would be a yearly event. They would save about a tenth of all their offering and their tithings and everything, and they would throw this big party, and it was an awesome event. And what they would do is they would light all these candles as well, and they would have this great fest festive time with all these candles. Now, what are these candles? Well, if you also remember the narrative, you would know that when God took it, the Israelites out of Egypt, he came in as a cloud and as a pillar of light. So there was a cloud to cover the people uh, through the day, and then there was a pillar of light to guide them through the night. And that candle was to show everyone that God was the light. So when Jesus comes up during this Feast of Booths, he declares to everyone, I am that light. So that's big. Jesus is not saying, I am some inspiration. He is saying to everybody that he is God. And this is why the Pharisees jump all over him and say, who gives you the authority to say these things? Are you really saying what we think you're saying? Are you saying you are Yahweh? And Jesus says, yes, I am. And if there's any doubt, if we look at the end of chapter 8, we see Jesus confirms their suspicions about what he is saying. He talks about how Abraham had anticipated the coming of Jesus. And the Jews mocked him. And they said, what are you talking about? Starting from 57, they said this. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up the stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So you would also know that before this crazy rescue operation that God performs, you would know the story of Moses and how Moses was called by God. And how did God call Moses? He was a burning fire, and he called Moses to him. And when Moses asked, what am I to say is your name to Pharaoh, the fire, Yahweh said, tell them, I am. So here Jesus is declaring to the world and to the Israelites that I am God. And this is an important thing that we need to remember. Jesus is not an advice giver. He is not a teacher. He is not some sort of guru, but he is God incarnate. 
And this is what we declare at ACC every week, that Jesus is not merely human, but he is God incarnate, one who has come to save his own people. Jesus is God. He does not belong in the hall of fame of great teachers or radical movers. He stands alone as the only God-man. And he stands before the Israelites and says, I am that God. But he also takes it to a next level. And he says, I am not just the God of the Hebrews, God of Isaac and Abraham. He says, I am the light of the world. And as you would know, during this time, the Israelites are not a big country. So this is a pretty big statement because who's in power at this time? It's Caesar and the Roman Empire. And so what Jesus is saying is, I'm not just the God of the Hebrews. I'm in God of this entire universe. And how are people to respond to this? God reveals to everyone that he is God for a, for a significant and very purposeful reason. He is telling people that he is God so he can give the people life. He is not simply declaring, look at me, I'm God, you're just human, ha <laughs> ha. He's not doing that. He's inviting the people to look at this claim. If I am God, if it is true that I am God of this world, then you have to respond to me. And so when Jesus is also declaring that he is light, he is saying, I am life. I am the God who gives life. He says in the second half of this verse, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you acknowledge that Jesus is God and the Savior, you will have the light of life. And what is the light of life? Well, if we look at the Psalms, we see that oftentimes God was referred to as the light. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 56.13 says, For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Brothers and sisters, if you believe that Jesus Christ is God, and if you believe he is the way to salvation, you will live forever. You will live to eternity. Death has lost its sting because as we follow Jesus, we become immortal. People who dwell in heaven with Jesus, the one who truly loves us the most. And week in and week out, you will hear Pastor David and I, or whoever comes to preach, declaring that we are meant more for than just this world. We are meant for heaven to come. It's a good weekly reminder because six days out of the week, we always believe that we are just meant for this world. And we are swayed. But here in Sunday, what you can expect is a reminder that this is not your home. This is not the finality. Heaven is your home. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Heaven is your home. Don't look too excited. It's a, it's a declaration that needs to be said over and over because we forget. Heaven is our home. We're living forever. Nothing can be done to reverse that. But Jesus is not simply declaring that he is light to show that he is God and that we have a 
future promise, there are implications for us today. When he says he is the light, he is also revealing something important for you and me to abide by today. And that's why I put the second verse in as Jesus talks more about the light. John chapter 12, verse 35 says, So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. We, awful, we oftentimes think that those who are in the darkness are sinners. And those who are in the light are goody-two-shoes. We think of them as Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. And we think of those who are in the darkness as being... I couldn't come up with the opposite of Boy Scout and Girl Scouts. So I'll just leave it at that. We think of them as little devil children or devil people doing evil things. But here Jesus reveals that those who are in the darkness are not simply doing bad things. They are lost. And here's an important element that we may neglect or forget about Jesus as the light. Jesus is the purpose for our life. There is no other purpose in living life. The world will tell you that there are other meanings to life, and if you have certain things, then you've truly understood life. I remember my college years, the big thing was, what was your major? And if you didn't have your major by your sophomore year, you are absolutely lost in life. And if you had known me in college, I had about five to six majors. Um, economics, film studies, Italian, pre-med, and I forgot my other one. And these are things I actually switched to. I took two years of languages when my college only requires two quarters. I took Italian and uh, Korean. All the while, I was applying to OCS Candidate School to join the Marine Corps. I ended up with a history major and was an accountant after. But I remember thinking, because we had so many dialogues within our uh, college groups or what was going on, everyone was like, you have to know your major. And if you don't know your major, then you don't know your life. You're lost. But as I look back, I realized I wasn't lost at all. I knew Jesus. I knew that Jesus loved me, and I knew that where I was going to end up was heaven. I wasn't lost. I didn't know some of these answers. But that doesn't mean I was lost. Now, the world still says the same story. You're not married. You don't have the job of your dreams. You don't have the children of your dreams. You don't have children. Do you know what you're doing with your life? As if those things help you determine what your life truly is. Brothers and sisters, there are millions of people who are married, have children, have great careers, have lots of money, vote every election cycle, participate in every charity offense, and they are completely and utterly lost. You don't find your purpose in those things. Those are simply things that you do along this amazing journey to pleasing Jesus. Again, those are not bad things. But those are ancillary to what the true purpose of life is. I want to share a story to illuminate more of what it means that Jesus is the light. I want to tell you the story of Il Defonso. This is a story from Radiolab, and uh, they were investigating what it means to have language, what it means to have words. 
And when presented with this character, Ildefonso, who is a real human being, he was in the, he, he was 27 during the 1970s, and he was mute, and he was deaf. And Susan Schaller came along, who was a sign language instructor, and she saw Ildefonso sitting in the corner, often by himself. And she would go and try to approach him and talk to him, but he was deaf and mute and couldn't communicate. So her first attempt to go and talk to him was simply saying, hello, my name is Susan. Now, she would sign this to him. And what he did was say, hello, my name is Susan. And she said, no, 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 my name is Susan. And he would say, no, 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 my name is Susan. And so she would keep doing this, and she suddenly realized this person had no words, had no language. All he could do was imitate her. So she went on this journey to teach this person language, and that was the key question. How do you teach someone how to talk after 27 years? There were many weeks where she felt like it was hopeless, and then one week or one day she had a brilliant idea. She said, I'm going to ignore Ildefonso altogether. What I'm going to do is I'm going to show him how to learn. So what she did was set up two chairs. She sat on one chair, and she would say, sign something like, Cats are furry, they purr, they meow. And then she would go over onto the other seat, and then she'd go, purr, meow, oh, that's a cat. And then she would go back again, it's like, doors have handles, they're brown. And then she'd go onto the other chairs, brown handles, oh, a door. And she'd go do this back and forth, teaching herself, and Ildefonso just watched. Now, Ildefonso probably thought she was crazy or was just frustrated because she had no, he had no idea what she was doing. But then all of a sudden, as she, in the midst of this, he stood up and began to realize what was happening. He got up and he looked at her straight in the face and she, he was able to communicate this much. Everything has a name. Everything has a name. So he ran to the door, and she would sign door. He would run to the chair, and she would sign chairs. He would run to the table, and she would sign table, and he would break down crying. Everything has a name. 27 years, no one had told him that there were names and that people communicated this way. He was in the dark, so lonely, unable to do anything because he didn't have these words. Brothers and sisters, I point to Ildefonso's as someone who is like all of us. For many of us, we just keep imitating and copying people, thinking that if we do that, we'll somehow connect or make sense of everything that's going on. But it's only until we learn the word, if we learn that everything has a name, and that name is Jesus, then you find meaning in your life. Maybe you've come here today lost, asking a lot of questions. Maybe you've come depressed and void of everything that you thought was supposed to be had. And you're thinking to yourself, why am I depressed? Why do I have such sorrow? And people tell you all the time, hey, why are you so sad? You have a good job. You have a great family. You have money. Surely you should be happy. Yet you probably come here saying that those things have not fulfilled you. And I come here telling you today that your feeling is correct. Those things will never fulfill you. 
It is only when you realize that if you have Jesus, that your life will be fulfilled. David says that if you have, Pastor David, he quoted C.S. Lewis saying, if you have a void in your heart that cannot be fulfilled for this world, it means that you are not meant for this world. And thus the world cannot fulfill your longing and your desire. Only Jesus can. So I tell you, for those of you who do not believe in Jesus, to come to him. Be with him. Accept him as your light and as your savior so that you would be fulfilled, that you would see the purpose of life, and that you would come to his glory. And to my brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you with this. Do not feel lost. I know a lot of you may feel like you think you're lost, but you are not lost. We sing it all the time, you are found. Jesus has found you, and you know exactly where you're going. Don't believe the lie of the world that says that because you don't have certain things that you are lost. I want you to imagine that me and Christine, who is my wife, we're going up to Albany, and we take I-87. And all you have to do is stay on that freeway, and you will end up at the Capitol. Super easy. I-87, just drive straight. And say Christine is driving, and I uh, am in the passenger seat, and I look to Christine, and I say, Christine, do you think McDonald's will be there in 25 miles? And she turns to me, and she goes, I don't know. And then wouldn't it be absurd if I turned to her and said, oh my goodness, we are lost. We are lost. Pull over. Yet we do this very exact thing with all of our lives. We have Jesus. We know exactly where we're going. We know exactly where we're going to end up. We know exactly who loves us and what's important to us. Yet if we don't have one thing, if we don't have our career settled out, people go, that person's lost. They don't know where direction they're going. Or if we don't have children, or if we don't know if we want to get married or anything like that, people say, don't worry, they'll find their way eventually. No, those things do not define you. Jesus defines you. And how do you know if Jesus is your purpose, and how do you know that you're along the path Jesus says in Psalm 119, 105? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Read the word. Life is pretty simple. Love Jesus, love your neighbor, and you have done it all. Getting married, getting a degree, your promotion, those things are great. But they're all just side topics, footnotes to what we do here as Christians and as believers. Loving Jesus together and then loving our neighbors. My encouragement to, to you Christians are this. Love the light. Know that that is your direction. That is your purpose. And everything else is just icing on the cake. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. Thank you that you are our light. Thank you that you are our strength. I pray, God, that for everyone who feels like they are lost, 
that they, are being, that they are being thrown by the waves of this world, we pray that they would be able to find the anchor, the light that is you. And there that they would find peace and that they would find strength. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done and all that you are doing. And again, we pray that our eyes may be clear to see that you are our light who is guiding us to all eternity. Help us not to forget about heaven. Help us to remember you and help us to remember one another as we are along this journey. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.